This is the Fearless Agent Podcast, where you learn how to make way more money fast selling real estate with your host, the fearless agent himself, Bob Leffler. And good day to you. This is Bob here at the Fearless Agent Podcast for real estate sales professionals like you, where we explain why everything you've been taught by the entire real estate industry is wrong, and you will make lots more money in way less time by doing the exact opposite. So last week, oh my gosh, has it been a whole week? Last week, we talked about pricing. Ramon, do you remember last week? Oh, I do. I think he's lying. I am. You do? Yeah. (laughs) So we talked about pricing and uh, the fearless agent pricing presentation. So uh, crazy ideas. People have crazy ideas. You know what the thing about pricing is? um, Why agents have problems with pricing? One of them is people will do things they wouldn't normally do when they have money problems. There are people who get themselves into a jam with debt or, um, you know, they get a divorce or, you know, things happen in life. They lose a job and then they cheat on their taxes or they, you know, fudge the numbers or they do things that they wouldn't – they pad their expense account. They do things they wouldn't normally do. Otherwise, honest people will do crazy stuff when there's financial pressure. I have noticed – that uh, if I say to a seller what I call the million-dollar question, I say, you know, if you were going to win – I've ascertained, let's say, what fair market value is of the house. Let's say it's 300000 And I ask the seller, uh, if you were going to win a million dollars by guessing correctly, what price realistically do you think a buyer – would pay for your house. So I'm not asking, you know, how much you think your house is worth. So fearless agents always ask that million dollar question when they're booking after they book the appointment, after asking them other questions about their house to get ready to do the CMA. So more often than not is the seller high higher than fair market value. Yeah, like 99% of the time they're high. Now when the agent does their CMA, are they wrong? We're, we're always wrong. The seller's always wrong. The agent's always wrong. But are they wrong low or high generally? The, the agent, yeah, they're wrong high too. Not as high as the seller. But if people were objective about pricing, 50% of the time they would guess too low. 50% of the time they would guess too high. But it doesn't work that way. And that's because the price is so seductive that it makes us do things that are crazy. And one of those crazy things is overpricing the house, for goodness sakes, which ends up causing you to lose money. We covered that last week. So know that about yourself. You've got the seller's voice in your head and that causes you to think it's worth 325 when it's worth 300 because the seller's voice in your head said well we think a buyer would pay 350 and that's how you end up with overpriced listings so in the in the the purpose of the fearless agent pricing presentation like we mentioned last week is to get the seller to say at the end of it why don't we just underprice our house right off the bat 
And no non-fearless agent has ever heard that from a seller, and every fearless agent hears that every time. So one of the little vignettes we do is to combat that thing where they say, well, I think my house is worth X, or the other agent said my house is worth X. So we did the little railroad tracks. You heard that last week. That gets their head right on pricing it strategically correctly, not the amount but the way. And then I'm going to have you write down NCWWT. That's an acronym. You know what an acronym – you know what my favorite acronym is, uh, Ramon? Again, I'm afraid to ask. Czechoslovakia. I can't remember what it stands for, but that's my favorite one. But this is NCWWT which stands for Nobody Cares What We Think. <laughs> you ever notice that, Ramon? I thought that was one of those uh, failed wrestling leagues. No, no. It sounds oh. like it. One of the many failed wrestling leagues. That's right. Nobody Cares North Carolina World Wrestling something or other thingy. Yeah, that was it. So, you know, I was just in North Carolina. Really? Yeah. You know, I went to a uh, – this is off topic, but I went to a uh, – uh, what do they call it? A, a gravestones. What do they call it? Cemetery. A cemetery, So I'm yeah. driving by. You know, it's old. You know, things in, in North Carolina are old. They had Confederate flags in front of the – in front of these gravestones that all looked alike. I'm going, wow, they really hang on to that a little too long. <laughs> so I took a picture of it because I'm going to show my friends uh, in uh, – Arizona, where we never see Confederate flags. Thank you, little baby Jesus. And then I zoomed in on the picture, and all of the all of the gravestones said "unknown soldier." Ah, it's a poignant <laughs> moment, then, right? It doesn't seem so creepy. Anyway, I've got to get you some kind of uh, a guide to different sites when you go to different places. I Maybe really the cemetery need that. Isn't the hottest spot you want to hit when you first land? Well, at my age, you're scouting. <laughs> you know, I have to, I'm in God's waiting room now. I have to kind of... I like it, it by the tree I'm over keeping there. It, yeah, something in, in the shade because I'm from Arizona. I know what the sun does. So the uh, nobody cares what we think. So uh, have you ever noticed as a realtor that nobody cares what we think? So I so in the in the presentation I'd say so so I, I do the railroad tracks and then I, I write down NCWWT and that stands for nobody cares what we think. In other words, now I don't want them to say, Well, I think my house is worth X. I don't want them to say the other agent said my house is worth X and then I have to overcome that objection. So I'm doing this ahead of time to crush that crazy idea. So I say nobody cares what we think. So have you ever noticed that? For example, let's say you think your house is worth three seventy five, okay? You think your house is worth three seventy five and I, for whatever reason, I only think it's worth $350,000, okay? Now, the two best buyers in the whole world that are able to pay the most and willing to pay the most, bidding against each other, are in fact willing to pay $375,000. So they agree with you. Now, again, I only thought it was worth $350,000, but the – 
the appraiser agrees with you. The buyers that are the best agree with you. They're willing to pay three seventy-five, but I only thought it was worth three fifty. So here's the question: Would you want me to be willing to admit that I was wrong? Yeah, of course you would. Uh, but that works both ways, doesn't it? Yeah. So sometimes I will say, you know, I only think this house is worth. Uh, 350. This doggy's barking. I don't think anybody would ever pay more than that, and it ends up selling for 400. So that is proof that even I should not care what I think. So then I move on to the next vignette. Okay. So the next vignette is what I call the three houses story. So draw three little stick figure houses, if you would. Was this an art project that could go very, very badly? So three stick figure houses next to each other. So this cures the objection, well, it has to be worth X because I paid X. Okay, So here's three houses. These houses are identical in every single way. In fact, they're on the same street. In fact, they're right next door to each other. In fact, they're built by the same builder. They're the same exact floor plan. They're landscaped identically by the same landscaper and they're decorated identically on the inside because they were on one of those home and garden TV network reality shows. (laughs) That's the one where I want to throw the brick through my television. When you're a realtor and you watch that show, oh my goodness gracious. So all three of these houses, Everybody knows, so in the body of the house, you write these numbers, $150,000. Everybody knows they're worth $150,000. Who knows it? Well, the agents know it. The sellers know it. The buyer knows it. The appraiser knows it. The appraiser's dog knows it. Everybody knows these houses are worth $150,000. But me, through my amazing sales and marketing skills, I am able to sell all three houses for $160,000. Write that below each one of the houses. $160,000. What do you call that? Quality service. So on a scale of 1 to 10, what is my quality service? I'm an 11. Thank you, Ramon. Turn it all the way up. Turn it all the way up. So, oh, I forgot. Oh, Ramon, I forgot. There's one thing I forgot to mention about these houses. There is one difference. The the one on the left there, that's owned by a 90-year-old woman. She bought the house in 1953, new. And when I got to her... How much did she think her house was worth? $85,000. She wasn't paying attention, right? Oh, the house in the middle, that's owned by a 55-year-old guy. He's lived there for 10 years. And when I got to him, he knew the house is worth 150000 because he was paying attention. The guy on the right, oddly, is a... 29-year-old medical intern. By the way, Ramon, I never met a realtor who never who knew everything about medicine, but I've never met a doctor who didn't know everything about real estate. Do you know what I'm talking <laughs> about? That's irony. So yeah, Mr. Medical Intern, age 29, he bought the house two years ago. 
He paid 170 and he heard that the market is shooting up. So what is the difference between these three houses? Well, when I'm done selling all three of those houses for 160, what does the old lady think of me? She goes, oh my gosh, that Bob, he is the best agent. I love Bob. He is the greatest agent ever. Is she going to send all her friends and recommend me? No, she's going to be dead in two weeks. Come on, Ramon, pay attention. The 55-year-old guy, he thinks that Bob guy is the god of real estate. He's amazing. If uh, you're thinking of listing your house, for goodness sakes, use Bob. If you don't use Bob, I will come over and slap you, wake you up because Bob is the man. The 29-year-old guy, Bob is Satan. I don't know how you get uh, a real estate license in an insane asylum, but Bob figured out how to do it. Whatever you do, do not use Bob. Bob is scum, right? Now, did I do the same great job for all three people? Yes, I did. What's different is the customer satisfaction rating, okay? So I'm going to do for you, Mr. and Mrs. Seller, the same great job that I always do without regard to what anybody thinks. So now I move on to the next thing. So again, this is the objection that that cures is my house has to be worth 190 because I owe 160. The truth is you refinancing cash out of your house and buying hookers and cocaine does not make it worth more money, does it? You refinancing cash out and buying a boat and having your equity afloat on the on the lake or the river does not make your house worth more money. The universe doesn't care how much you owe, how much equity you have. The house is worth what it's worth. All three houses were identical. The only difference between the three was the amount of equity that they had. So if you want to have problems with sellers, find sellers with very little equity or negative equity and then your life will be a living hell. Does that sound right, Ramon? And a lot less hookers and cocaine. <laughs> well, there's, there's that. I said it like it was a bad thing. Oh, okay. Yeah. So the uh, the next uh, vignette that I do is I call the up and down arrows. So next to each other, for those of you scoring at home, write, draw two vertical lines, let's say four inches long one to the left, one to the right, up and down, and then put arrows up and down on the bottom, the top and the bottom. So a little arrow pointing down and up. So how many of you have ever seen a house where they were asking this much up here and it ended up selling down here? Oh, you've all seen that. Show of hands? Yeah, okay. How many of you have ever seen where somebody was asking the price down here, but it ended up selling for more up here. Oh, you've all seen that too. Well, wouldn't that be undeniable proof that there is no relationship whatsoever between the asking price and the sales price? That's actually true. In other words, when you're choosing the asking price, you're not choosing how much you're going to get. You're choosing how long you're going to wait to get what you're going to get. When you're choosing the asking price, 
you're not choosing how much you're going to get. Because if we were, we would just pick 50 gugillion dollars and we'd be gugillionaires, right? So when you're choosing the asking price, you're not choosing how much you're going to get because that has already been decided by God or the market. When you're choosing the asking price, you're not choosing how much you're going to get. You're choosing how long you're going to wait to get what you're going to get. And that is the foundational principle of pricing. And if you don't understand that, you cannot communicate that to the people that you are trying to list their house and price it right. You have got to understand the foundational principle of pricing. So now, how many of you have ever been to an auction? Show of hands. Have you ever been to an auction, Ramon? Oh, Barrett Jackson auction. There you go, Barrett Jackson. Yeah. By, by the way, when I was a little kid, this is 110 years ago, as you know, but I used to live by the zoo. Do you know where the zoo is? Yes, yes. And they have a baseball stadium there, the old Phoenix Giant Stadium. So I lived in the neighborhood just north of the zoo. So we would – the Papago Buttes Mountains are there. We would play Army. There was that old uh, – there was like a German prisoner of war camp there where we housed uh, during World War II. Yeah, was, yes, yes. So we'd play Army in the actual Army barracks. And then uh, we would ride our little bikes down to the zoo. And the first year that Barrett Jackson ever happened, it happened in the parking lot of the of the uh, baseball stadium. And it was this little nickel and dime show. Yeah. <laughs> it was like really – there was probably maybe 100 cars or something like that. And uh, so All I was of them there. were wooden wheels that's on there. That's right. That's right. You know, I was there in the beginning and now it's this giant empire on TV. It's crazy. But anyway, so you go to an auction and – uh, what price do they start at? Zero. Zero. That's right. They start at zero and then you have a whole and bunch of people. That's the price I can usually pay. That's what we can afford, of course, but we get outbid by somebody else. So they start at zero and then you have a whole bunch of guys bidding against a whole bunch of guys. And then finally you have fewer people bidding against fewer people. It's not always guys, commonly though. And then you have a small group of people bidding against a small group of people and then you have a tiny group of people bidding against – finally, you get down to you just have two guys, one person bidding against one other person and then finally, you have one guy bidding against no guys and that's how you get the highest price. So what do we do in real estate? Well, we start with no guys bidding against no guys and then we wait three months until we hate our realtor and badmouth them all over town. That's how we do it. What's wrong with us? We do it backwards. So I am not recommending that you start at zero, okay? What I am recommending is that you have two jobs and two choices, okay? So now one job would be to sell the house, okay? So write that down. One job, sell house. But you know what? Remember the little old lady in her house? She thought it was only worth $85,000. It would have been tragic for us to sell her house at at $85,000 because we didn't know what it's worth. So job number two is sell house. Job number one is find out what top dollar is. Now, you have two choices on finding out what top dollar is. So one one 
choice you make is what is the highest price that any lunatic would pay if they love the house more than anybody else in the whole world and that an appraiser would go along with if they were drinking a little. And I think you've met appraisers. They drink quite a bit. You know what I'm talking about? So – and then number two is a unit of time that represents how long does it really take for every real buyer with real money – and by the way, real buyers with real money, they have realtors. Yeah, real buyers with real money have realtors. How long does it take for every real buyer with real money to get over the flu, to get back from their vacation and get back in their realtor's car and come and see your house? And in my mind, that's probably two weeks. And then every two weeks, without thinking about it, without worrying about it, without obsessing about it, you lower the price by $5,000 or depending on the sales price, $25,000 or $100,000 if you're above a million until one of two things happens. One is you get an offer that I cannot talk you out of taking or number two is we get multiple offers and I bid them up as high as I can and then you decide to sell your house or keep it forever. But those would be your options. So then I'm going to tell them two stories, okay? Um, so one story is Linda. So I had this, you know, back, back when I was a realtor, prices were lower. But this story illustrates uh, – these two stories illustrate the same point. So Linda, older lady, lived in a three-bedroom, one-bath, built in 1953, crappy little house. And I had her house listed for uh, 114.9. Okay, so write that down. So I have it listed for 114.9. We get an offer uh, for 110. So I go to Linda. I say, Linda, what do you want to do? She goes, Well, I never thought my house would sell for more than. Or excuse me. We get an offer for 105. Excuse me. We get an offer for 105. So I said, Linda, what do you want to do? She says, Well, I never thought my house would sell for more than 110, but I don't want to sell it for 105. I go, Okay, what do you want to do? She goes, Could we counter at 110? I said, I would. So we counter at 110, and the buyer goes away. Okay. So then a couple of weeks go by, and the same agent, buyer agent, comes to me. And he says, Bob, you're not going to believe this, but I have another, another offer on your same listing. I said, wow, that's cool. It's the same buyer, okay? Turns out it's the same offer at 105. He comes back and does the same offer. So I go to Linda. I said, Linda, what do you want to do? She goes, well, I never thought my house would sell for more than 110, but I don't want to sell it for 105. She goes, do you think we could counter again at 110? I said, I would. So we counter it again at 110. Buyer goes away a second time. So I said, look, Linda, here's the deal. You know, did you ever notice, Ramon, how when bad news is coming, people say, here's the deal or here's the thing, this is the thing? <laughs> it usually also starts with listen. Yeah. Listen, here's the thing, this is the thing. You just won the lottery. It's not coming after that. No, it's uh, – no. 
So um, I said, you're willing to sell the house for 110. Let's change the price. I didn't say lower. I said, let's change the price to 109.9 and get this over with. She goes, oh, no. Then I'll get an offer at 100. I said, Linda, it doesn't work that way. She goes, well, I'm going to have to think about it. I said, great. While you're thinking about it, I'm going to sit on your sofa and play the bagpipes. That should speed up that thinking about it, the sound of pigs being murdered, right? So she says, okay. I list that, I changed the list price to 109.9 in 24 hours. I have two offers and we bid them up to 114.9. What is the moral to that story? This is it. There is no risk in underpricing your house unless you're too eager to take the first offer that comes along. So my best friend, his name is Jeff Guy. His actual first name is Jeff. Last name is Guy. His nickname is Jeff Guy. So Jeff Guy, he is a genius, actual IQ level genius, has a job, makes all the dams in Arizona open and close on time. So he's, you know, he's a smart guy. So he lists his house with me for $199. It's on McCormick Ranch. Do you know where that is, uh, Ramon? I don't. You need to get out more. You really, really need to. Just out of this room. It's uh, – <laughs> that'd be nice if you get a guy – he's in a padded cell by the way. Oh, no. That's sound deadening material. It looks like a padded cell. Either was, would be appropriate for Ramon. Now, Jeff Guy, uh, we have his house listed for one ninety nine, and we're getting three showings a week. OK. Not, not fantastic. Now, by the way, that house today would probably sell for, I don't know, eight or 900000 but back then, one ninety nine is the asking price, and we're getting three showings a week. So he goes out and finds a house with my partner. He goes out and finds a house on the side of a mountain, unbelievable view, perfect for him, five bedrooms. He's married a woman that has some kids. He's got kids, blended family, way too many kids. I don't know what kind of psycho thing he was thinking about. But anyway, he finds this perfect house. It's got a pool. There's a turtle living in the backyard. The turtle was included. It's just beautiful. Turtle for the kids. And he wants to buy that house. And the seller says, hey, you have a house you need to sell. And he says, yes. And that's not going to be a problem. Why, Ramon? Because there are no problems in real estate that large amounts of non-refundable earnest money will not fix. So he and buys a turtle. And a turtle. So he takes $5,000 non-refundable earnest money, gives it to the seller. And now he says to me, we need to quicken this up a little bit, selling my house. So I thought, I think that we should change the price to one eighty nine nine. Now, in that price range, is that a big price drop? No. As a matter of fact, it would be the same as changing it from 99 to 95. So we go to 189 in three days. We have multiple offers. We could have bid them up well above 200, but Jeff Guy wanted something else. What was it? Oh, that's right. $5,000 of non-refundable earnest money to cover his butt, so to speak, on the other end. And we end up getting it 
and the buyer falls out of escrow because they couldn't get their loan. Jeff keeps the 5000 We immediately put it back on the market, went with the backup offer, closed in plenty of time, no problems, and now he has $5,000 worth of new furniture in his new house. So what's the moral of that story? Oh, that's right. There is no risk in underpricing your house unless you're too eager to take the first offer that comes along. So uh, there's a guy that was on this show, Ryan Haryu was his name, a blast from the past. He was on this show, one of my coaching students. He had a two-bedroom, one-bath house listed for $134.9, one showing a week. One showing a week. Was he overpriced? Yeah, he was overpriced. I recommend, hey, let's do a little experiment. Let's change the asking price, not lower it, change it to 124.9. He got one offer in the first four hours. He got five more in 48 hours. He bid them up and sold it for $137,000. What's the moral to that story? Oh, that's right. There is no risk in underpricing your house. Then we do a close at the end of the Fearless Agent pricing presentation and that gets everybody to say the words, why don't we just underprice our house right off the bat and then of course you do. So all of you who are listening, if any of this stuff we talk about here, Ramon and I, here we are, we're lonely, we need you to call. You can, If you're earning less selling real estate than you wish you were, you're open to the idea of having some help. If you want to ever learn more, you can always call me anytime at 480-385-8810. That's toll-free, day or night, on my cell phone. And we'll just see if you and what you're trying to do in your real estate business and what we do, if it would be a good fit. By the way, if you were a real estate company owner and you would like to talk about recruiting, producing agents. We do that for you too. Um, and by the way, I love talking to realtors, real estate company owners. Don't think you're bothering me. Don't email me. Don't text me. Always call me at 480-385-8810. You can always go to fearlessagent.com, watch our webinar, take lots of notes. You can subscribe to this podcast at fearlessagentpodcast.com. Uh, give us a five-star review if you would. And then uh, you can watch our free videos at fearlessagent.tv. Subscribe to that. Go to my website. Watch all the videos there. And for free, that would be way better coaching than you would pay any other coach in America any amount of money. That is our guarantee. So we are here for you. So until next week, I want to thank you again for joining us today. Please do visit us at our web stuff. And you can always call me directly, 480-385-8810. Until next week, always, as a fearless agent, we always do three things. Have fun, be humble, but most of all, be fearless. Thanks, gang. Oh,